Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Grim Shea, and joining me as always is Marky. Say hi, Marky. Hello, y'all. And Marky, <laughs> you like movies? Yeah. Well, I like uh, I like good movies. You like good movies? Yeah. You appreciate a quality multi-million dollar blockbuster movie? Well, it doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to follow that qualification to be a good movie. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's pretty self-serving. Yeah. But I'm glad you put it like that because I myself kind of like a good B movie. A good B, exactly. So, yeah, this is a- anybody can enjoy a good. But well, do you know what I mean when I say B movie though, or are you just nodding along with me? Well, I mean A and B. <laughs> yeah, I know what B is. Is that what you mean? I don't... Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean you know like schlocky movies. Like yeah. uh, like you remember the like uh, when we were when we were kids growing up. Uh, USA up all night. Yeah, I do remember like that. stuff like that. Yeah. Just cheesy movies. Do you remember that uh, Elvira's oh, Mysteries of the Dark? Elvira always like like the Night Macabre or whatever it was. Yeah, it, was yeah. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean and now. By some standards, none of those are good movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. By by your classical standard, I guess, probably. <laughs> They're not good movies. But they are um, – they're fun. No, they are fun. Yeah. Which in, in itself I think makes them fun because – what 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 is good about them is that you have fun watching them. Right. You're not drawn into a deep, rich, constructed, thought-out, crafted world of fiction and blah, blah, blah. You just get to watch the screen and laugh and have a good time exactly. and eat some popcorn. Yeah. I mean, not everything has to be Citizen King. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I believe that there's, you know, there's a certain... Um, there's a threshold that you have to reach uh, when you're trying to entertain somebody. Mm-hmm. And usually what that means when you entertain somebody is that they don't go anywhere. They basically want to stay there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you keep asses in the seats. Exactly. So just stay there and you're entertained. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you could do this by reading or video games Quilting, Whatever. quilting, lots of options, all kinds of stuff. I could whatever, go on and on boat. and on. Yeah. Okay, but uh, so if you can just achieve that that threshold, then it achieves its goal, right? It does by and, definition. By definition, <laughs> and you could call it good. 
Well, there you go. I don't know. You, you qualified it enough for me. I, 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 now I believe that you do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now, um, I think technically, when you say B-movie, uh, it's the B-real. Not like, you know, B-real, dog. I don't mean that. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's it's the, you know, real. Uh, spell it the like in a movie. R-E-E-L. R-E-E-L, real. Not not real, right? Yeah, I always assume that it came from just, you know, you get your, your A-listers your grade A quality movies uh-huh. and then you get your B movies. Well, I always thought that's that always like, where I, I always thought from. that it was the the A crew and the B crew. So, um like when they're shooting like a Star Wars movie. Uh, you know, if George Lucas is directing it, you know, he's the A crew. But if you needed a shot of like Luke Skywalker grabbing the lightsaber, that's the B that's the B. Yeah, group, yeah. Right? I, I think they call it like second unit or something yeah, like that. Or something. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I. That's what I always kind of thought. I have no idea if that's true. That's what. That's kind of my justification. But being what I, um, the reason why I think we are here now is to basically stand up and say, B is not bad. That's right. right. B is not bad. <laughs> B does not stand for bad in B movie. That's right. It okay. got that connotation over the years. Right. Someone said, "Oh, that's just some old B movie." Right, uh, it's not like that. But there's a tradition of B movies. It gets sure. Uh, you know, just just off the top of my head to to give a little a little history lesson on them. I think y- you can trace it back to uh to Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh Tim Burton did a did a great movie right. with Johnny Depp about him, but he was a a real guy made horrible movies and uh starting with his own horrible scripts that were bad enough that no one ever gave him money to make these right so he went out and he made these anyway uh the most famous of which is plan 9 from outer space uh, uh another just everything about it was bad the acting was wooden the sets were completely unrealistic <laughs> yeah the lighting was uh there's like a boom mic you know yeah yeah, yeah little you know stuff yeah. like that was bleeding through every frame and it just be, it achieved a cult classic status for that. People saw it and laughed at first at it, and then I think as a culture we started laughing along with it. Well, I don't know if that totally really crushes you know, Edward's spirit, but it doesn't well, matter because no, we're the audience and we have taken his art. True, and that and now we we have it, and that's what gave birth to to your Roger Corman's uh-huh. and stuff. You know, who became who just knew going in right away. We're gonna slap dash make a make a crappy movie, but it's gonna be fun to watch. Well, right, I, and I believe that that's evolved even to a point where uh, some filmmakers will go out there and purposely make a bad movie. I think Will Ferrell was you know, famous for it. You know, that's not. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, he, he will go out there and just make a bad movie. You know, the one where he's uh, speaking Spanish the whole time. You know, he he, yep. he must have known that that was not going to be a good movie. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think I think what all of these things try to achieve is um, is that at, at least that minimum threshold where you can have a good time watching it and you don't want to leave. And um, I have experienced through through many you know hours spent watching these you know this classification of movies. That you know you you have a certain amount of freedom when you're watching them, mm. you know, and and that's you know you don't because you're not tied into specifically performances and plots and 
you yeah, know, all you don't feel stuff. actively invested, right? Quite you so can, much. You can kind of cut it loose, and you can kind of enjoy, you know, yeah. the what's the word? Not uh, camp. Camp. They are. Yeah, it's great. Great camp. Like right. the old Batman show is a good example of uh-huh. uh, you know something that knew it was being silly, but wanted you to take that silly ride with it. Mm-hmm. And it's totally all right. And good camp, whether it's done intentionally or not, is enjoyable to audiences. Or at least to me, and I think to a lot of people. Take you know, just to name a few over the years. You know, you got it starts with your uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. If you ever saw that, you know, as a as a kid on TV, you might not have gotten it. But as you get older and you understand a little irony, then you can engage in like enjoying camp. Right. And uh, and it moves up. You know, you know, Valley of the Dolls and. Uh, all of Corman's and Russ Meyer's sexploitation, right. you know, goofy movies. Uh, and right up now, it's still proving to be viable, you know, uh, uh, financially, I think. When you t- take a look at the numbers for Sharknado. <laughs> total, total B-movie. This is, you know, exactly what sci-fi puts their money into. Yeah. Is that we're going to make schlocky sci-fi movies that are so bad, mm-hmm. you're going to watch it to see. Exactly. So there's, there's, I think, credibility to the idea of camp there. I love a little camp myself. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think that, you know, science fiction, I believe, uh, really started off in that world, you know, because mm-hmm. it's it's hard to get past a guy in a bad mask. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. so, you you know, it kind of played into that a little bit. Uh, you know, some of, a lo- some of those episodes of the original Star Trek, you know. They did, they did push the boundary. They kind of, they kind of, they kind of push a boundary. And, you know, and that was from, from my knowledge of this, uh, of this course, you know, that these movies have taken, you know, that was a real legitimate, honest go at a real serious science fiction storytelling, yeah. you know, um, style and all that. And they achieved many, 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 many things. Um, but it's really hard, you know, given the technology and all that stuff of the, of the times and all that, you know, it's, it's a guy in a mask going, ah! you know, so it's, 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 it's yeah. tough, right? So yeah, it costs $170 million to make a movie about a guy in a mask going, ah, and, and it looks scary. Exactly. But if you do it for a few dollars less, it looks like you tried so hard. It's uncomfortable to watch. Well, but if you did it for $5,000 for the whole movie, then it's okay. Then I feel like we're allowed to laugh. Right. We're allowed to say that's the funniest scare you can get. Yeah, and I, I and, think, and I feel like they knew that going in. Yes, um, and I believe that w- when you kind of look at it now, um, where you can see a B movie really kind of get the steam behind it, mm-hmm. it's when they really started doing zombies. Mm-hmm. Because zombies, it's where you could you could do you could have a lower budget quality. Um, you know, talent or whatever, writing, acting, whatever. Um, but you know, you don't have to rely on the mask and all the and all and all these and all these weird things. It's just basically a guy with tattered clothes and you know, kind of some makeup, and you can make anything look like a zombie. Yeah. It, it 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 took a while for the for the zombie genre to evolve into what is you know, by many regards, the best television show right now, Walking Dead. You know, for it to you know for it to really fully get to that point where it's super serious and super well done and super like rich and deep, yeah. you know, it took a while for that. But you know, uh, there's no doubt that zombie movies 
got their start uh, in the B world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And you know, and a, they, a lot of those, a, a lot of those, a lot of the big genres now, you know, your superhero movies included, they all started out just yeah. as forgettable, regrettable, you know, Absolutely. passion projects from from people who just didn't have the skill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I the reason I bring this up, uh, and, and I'm, I've got B movies on the brain, Marky, is uh, you remember watching Silent but Deadly the other uh, day? Are you kidding? I loved Silent but Deadly. That was awesome, and I think it's such a good example of of a good B movie, of a fun movie. It knew it's a B movie. Yeah, right. self aware and loved every minute of itself, and it just it's hard not to like that. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's it's kind of a, a horror. Uh, yeah. it, it's a comedy most of all, but you know, a shocker. It's, it has a lot of fun. It's, it's basically, um, you know, what if a killer was loose in a retirement home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and watching the senior citizens fight back a little bit, who done it a little bit, uh, revenge story, right. a little bit, a uh, little bit suspense, but overall, I mean, just, just absolutely a celebration of fun movies with an all-star cast an all-star cast you got you got uh, Don Wells Lee Merriweather David Proval Martin Cove Rip Taylor, Taylor. some classics from uh, from from uh, decades past mm-hmm. uh, just screen legends who get together and they're having a good time right. we have a good time you'll have a damn good time but all right I feel like I feel like after all of this, we we talked to Jackie Holland, the the writer, mm-hmm. a producer, Star. and the lead actress right, right. in the movie. Lovely, lovely young woman. I I think we should just uh, we should just have her talk about it. Yeah, I think we should play this thing. She lived it, damn it. And you're gonna sit there and you're gonna love every second of this. Us talking with Jackie Holland. Meanwhile, you are lucky because you're catching us right as we're about to talk to. Actor, writer, director, producer, the multi-taunted and lovely Jackie Holland. Jackie, are you there? I'm there. Hi. Jackie, thank you so much for talking to us today. I know you've got to be busy because, as I mentioned, you have about nine jobs. <laughs> well, thank you. No, I'm, I'm excited to be talking with you. Uh, if, if you listening haven't seen it yet, you should go out and catch it. I think it, uh, you can see it on uh, video on demand, I'm guessing, across the country right now. Am I correct? I, I think so. I know that it's not, it's not 100% out in Walmart or uh, Best Buy, and I don't think we're on Netflix quite yet like it's it's coming in in stages but you can definitely get it on itunes and amazon oh well there you go then definitely if you've got a computer you can see this and the movie is silent but deadly (laughs) and if you like good campy like fun fun uh horror comedy extreme uh hilarious movies where you can just sit back and you can just watch it happen and laugh yourself to death this is this is one of those. Yeah. Uh and I can say that with authority because uh we just got a chance to see it uh just last night and we're we were still talking about it right before you called. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to oh. thank you for doing it. And, and for those of you who don't oh. know, Jackie is not only the star but the uh writer and producer on this one. I want to I want to get into how fun it is and how right from the very start 
It's got this great campy B-movie vibe and such a self-aware sense of humor that you can't not just have fun. But I think my favorite part is uh, the setting. It's unexpected. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm going to ruin it by telling you. But uh, it's, it takes place in a, in a retirement home. And most of the cast, like the heroes, even the possible villain, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is is a septuagenarian uh, a kind of action movie star, sleuth. Yeah. How did that come about? Was that something that you started with, or was that something at the last minute you're like, oh, you know, it'd be cheap to just rent out a retirement home or something? Uh, well, I think we, we actually started off, um, we came up with the idea because the director, who was also the co-writer on it, Jason Lockhart, we were talking with his mother, and she was like, why hasn't anyone made a horror film in a retirement home? And we were kind of like, huh, that's a really good idea. And then, like, literally within, like, a month it was written. It was going into production. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. I, it pays off, too. Um, well, I, I, yeah. I, I would actually like to add that there's, there is something about this that is very different, too, and that it happens to be a very horny retirement home. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I, 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 that's the one thing that really, um, I, I actually wonder if you have any, you know, if you had some kind of motive behind that, because there is, in a weird way, it's kind of a safe sex kind of theme, you know, kind of message there, um, but uh-huh. it's, you know, and even the antagonist who we're not giving anything away, it's in the first scene, but it's a bunny, right? Wait, well, what? It, it, it's. It's uh, the killer's wearing, I think, a, a bunny mask. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing a bunny mask. It's, it's not a. Yeah. It's not a bunny. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually a cat. It's a cat. Oh, it's a cat. Okay. Yeah. But still, it's still. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. it looks like a. Yeah, it looks a little bit like I love Donnie Darko. So when we were kind of uh-huh. making it, it has a little bit of that like Donnie Darko vibe to it. That's sort mm. of mask. Yeah, I, I got a little like 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 that party from The Shining vibe right away. I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. But yeah. seconds later, the murder occurs. I said, oh, I knew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I would just like to know if you were, if, if having it so sexualized was like, you know, a big part of the writing process, you know, was, was that part of the joke or was that, um, or did you have a message kind of behind that a little bit? Um, well, I actually, I mean, the thing of it is, is when we were writing it, uh, my, my grandmother is actually in a retirement home, and this is what was so crazy about it, is she was, uh, planning a wedding in the retirement home, and she had met some guy, and they were going to get married, and it was just, it was, it was really bizarre that this was happening and exciting for her, but, um, yeah, so that was kind of like what, and she was based 100% on the, the Vivian character is actually my grandmother, and she has uh-huh. red hair, and so that was, and then I, I had done some research, and then, like, it turned out that sexually transmitted diseases are actually very prevalent <laughs> in retirement homes and nursing homes, because, like, they don't, they just don't know that, you know, like, you're supposed to use condoms and protection, and, <laughs> like, and no one ever taught them that, so they just kind of have sex with whoever, and, yeah, diseases are spreading. <laughs> I, I'd heard that, yeah, I heard some, like, the rise of Viagra and stuff. That uh-huh. just, <laughs> rise of Viagra, yeah. I get it. Yeah, oh, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah. But that, uh, that, that, that's just, it's led to a spike in, you know. Seventy-year-old herpes. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, well, and um, that 
that even kind of added to the kind of horror kind of, because it's, you know, it is kind of gross to think about, right? A bunch of old people yeah. doing that. And so, it, it, you know, you're just kind of on, on like the edge of your seat here throughout the whole time uh, and just having a really great time with this, with this film. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, the, uh, the kind of, you know, alternating between the, the, the squirming and the laughing when you've got uh, Vivian and, uh, what was it, uh, David, David Proval's character. When uh, yeah. actually watching them in bed together was one of the most yeah. difficult, hilarious things I've done in a while. And you're and yeah. now, is that scene by any chance because you walked in on your grandmother and her fiance? <laughs> uh, no, I never. True. That never actually happened. But <laughs> that, I'm, I'm be glad very brave it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and now I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression. Uh, Jackie Holland, at this point in time, is not a uh, retirement home candidate. No. You, uh, you, you definitely, she, she is in the movie. She is one of the stars uh, as one of the younger roles. I, and I'm assuming, because uh, I know that you've already got your own uh, production company started, and you guys, this is not your first uh, you know, behind-the-scenes rodeo, as it were, but I'm assuming you kind of start getting into that after you got into acting. Did you yeah. do it to kind of get yourself more roles? Do you prefer to write your roles or do you prefer to just get a role and do the job? Um, well, okay, I actually will be honest. Uh, Silent but Deadly is the first feature film that I had ever produced and wrote. And... Um, I had done, like, a bunch of, like, sketch comedy and, like, you know, web series and things like that, and it was just really fun for me to be able to write something and then, like, watch it get made and be a part of it and, like, cast people and have them be really excited to be working in this this world that I kind of created, and I think that that's kind of what it is, is I just, I really enjoy creating worlds for people to play with me in. So, um, yeah, so after, after I did that one, I was kind of like, oh, I want to do, I want to do another, I want to make another film. And so that's kind of where that, that started was actually from Silent But Deadly. Oh, so you do it for the power. <laughs> it's not, it's not the power. It's just, I enjoy making things. Like when I was little, I used to always like to like, I'd stay up till like five in the morning making a bracelet, you know, just because I just wanted to see it get done, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the same thing. Like, it's cool to actually have a little bit of control because there's so many of these B films that I've made and I don't know where they go. And, like, I don't have any of the footage. And I'm like, oh, wow, I was so good in that. I wish I wish I knew where that was, you know. And so it's like to have a little control over, you know, just even the post-production and the production and the casting and everything. It's just it's it's cool to be hands-on. Well, speaking of, of hands-on and basically this being your baby as opposed to something you just worked on, did you, um, I mean, I know, and congratulations, by the way, on all the awards at the Hoboken Film Festival, but oh, did you spend yeah. a lot of time, of course, you earned them, you were hilarious, <laughs> but did you spend a lot of time uh, shopping this around, like workshopping, uh, you know, festivals, like, was this a very long pregnancy, so to speak? before you finally got it out there onto iTunes and video on demand and such? Uh, yeah, it, it kind of was. Um, it was a, uh, uh, 
not that it took a long time, but it definitely, you know, it went it went through post, and because it was it was actually Jason and my first movie that we had actually produced, and the other producer on it, Michael J. Ross, you know, he had produced a few things with sneak preview and stuff, but we were kind of all. You know, not 100% sure what we were doing because, you know, but uh, we definitely we started putting it in festivals and, you know, it was doing well and there was, there was interest. But the truth was the name of the film was Hotel Arthritis when we first made it back in 2012. So it took like, it took two years from the start to the finish. And, um, Nobody liked that title. Like, none of the, none of the distributors were interested in it because they didn't understand it. So as soon as we actually changed the title to Silent the Deadly, which I don't actually particularly like, but uh, it, it started, like, people were interested. So it kind of just stayed. Oh, well, you know what? I, I kind of like hotel arthritis. I actually like it, too. Though yeah. I guess I can see just, you know, if you know nothing about it, that, that might yeah. uh, have trouble hooking you. You might think, well some kind of documentary or something. But <laughs> having seen the movie, I would prefer Hotel Arthritis to Silent but Deadly, too. And, well, and in you. fact, yeah. oh, I'll just I'll let everyone know, I think this is kind of an anti-spoiler, there are no dumb fart jokes in the whole movie. Yeah, I don't remember one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just so you know, it's not exactly an appropriate title. So. <laughs> Producing. The lovely Jackie Holland. You know, that's the that might be the third time that we've had her on the show. I know. Yeah, we we sat down and talked to her for quite a bit that day. I know. We covered a lot of stuff. We've kind of been cherry picking from it because <laughs> it was a lot of fun to talk to her. Uh, and she really, she obviously enjoyed making this movie. Yeah, and you know, she's uh, she's as self aware as this movie is. Uh, yes. As far as you know, um, you know what she brings to the table and. All the goodness that that means, by yep. the way. You know, she is an, well, like, she's, the way she put it is she likes to make these little worlds and then invite people into play. Yeah, you know what? Oh, that's, and yeah. that's, that yeah. is what a good B movie should be. You shouldn't be <laughs> laughing at it. You should be laughing with it. Everybody should just know that it's it's a nice, easy, fake good time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and with this particular film, and, you know, both Grimm and I had the, had the opportunity to sit down and watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually weren't alone. We had a couple other friends with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did highlight one of the wonderful features of B-movie, of camp movies. Um, and that is that you can engage and talk with the people that are watching it with yeah, you. It's, it's a, it makes it a social experience. Right. It's not, it's not – we are not anymore um, – an audience, which, you know, if you look at, you know, audience comes from the Latin, which means to listen, right? We're not an audience watching 
a B movie. We yeah. are the, we're a part of the experience. Yeah, right. You start like talking to the characters, exactly. making jokes for them. Right. It it becomes it's an interactive thing, and it's and that is you know as as great a movie as for example Schindler's List is. You can't sit there and crack jokes through Schindler's List. Well, and actually, that was um, – it's funny that you even bring that up because that was a plot line in, in a Seinfeld episode where um, some of Jerry Seinfeld's family saw him making out with his girlfriend during Schindler's List, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. they were totally playing on that you know, as comedic fodder in that you know, this movie's so damn serious that you can't do anything but take it with the most – deep regret and pain and feeling mm-hmm. you know and really what kind of fun is that yeah. it's a fantastic movie but it's not a good time that's true you know? that's true and when we uh, so so we're here watching this movie and just having a great time yeah just talking back and forth it's just like uh like mystery science theater 3000 that's right that's what you know any movie they pick and they have a certain love and reverence for all of them but they make it a different, superior experience by sharing the viewing with us. Right. And that's what movies like this are good for. Because uh-huh. you don't need you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 when you've got four guys in the room. Right. Four smartasses. Yeah. It's, it makes the movie, you know, it's as if the movie isn't finished until you get there and watch it. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. You should actually put you... On the credits at the end, just put you, <laughs> and, you know, and it's great when and because everybody on screen is obviously having a blast doing right, it, right. so you feel like you're having a blast, you know, obviously on a different level from from your Oscar winners, exactly. But I don't think it's a worse level. No, it's not. They're, we're not here to judge it. You know, it's uh, we just had a great time watching this. We, I have had great times watching B movies throughout my life. Uh, this this one specifically is kind of up, up there with. With with some of those great ones, and it's because I had such a great time, you know. I, I don't. Um, and then it doesn't help that it had all these awesome stars and and, and, and you know. And what was great, I like a week later you showed up. I don't even know where you got this. How did you score this uh, this DVD set ah. of that show Monsters? Okay, from the eighties. That's right. That's right. Um, we have friends in the Blu-ray and DVD release business. Ooh, that's a business to be in. Yeah, and this is from E1. I think the E stands for entertainment. And they will send us screeners from time to time. And when this one got to me, um, it rang a bell in my head. And I was like, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. And everyone that I've brought this up to, everyone goes, yeah, it kind of rings a bell. But you, you brought it over, and I swore up and down I'd never heard of it. But what happened? Had, but what happened when we first? Then, yeah, and then we put it in, and the uh, the little intro segment exactly. that doesn't change from episode to episode came up. But the with the with, little kid with the one eye, the, yeah, with the Cyclops mom <laughs> and daughter, and like the I don't know, and, the, and, the and they're like eating husband. worms, or something. yeah, and they're eating like worms and watching TV, um, just to set the 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 tone of the you know half serious family friendly kind of. Twilight Zone angle they were going for. And and as soon as I saw that, I said, yes, I do remember this show. Right. It's basically, it's, it kind of starts you off in every, you know, every show starts off in the exact same way. It's like this family of like monsters, you know, kind of funny looking things. And it's a family of them, and they're sitting in front of the television. And the show Monsters comes up. And in the show Monsters. Good. This is our favorite show. Exactly. 
and it is a and it's an anthology show like Tales every from the single Crypt right and, yeah uh, Tales from the Dark Side Tales from the Dark right, Side all that stuff uh, exactly and so every single episode is a standalone you know little twenty five minute or twenty minute little tiny movie mm-hmm. um, and it stars. Basically, everybody that you know now, oh, um, Linda hey. Blair, Tempest Bledsoe, Steve Buscemi, um, uh, Gina Gershon, who, oh, my God, I could never get enough of that. Pam Greer, uh, Meatloaf was in one, I remember. Uh, Chris Noth, who's in Sex and the City and, and uh, uh, the Law, Law and Order. Law and Order. Lily Tyler, David Spade. Sex and the City. Tori Spelling. Jerry Stiller. Um this this particular show it lasted I believe two or three seasons at the most, um, and it's a real real gem. And uh, so yeah, we had a great time watching that. You know, just kind of catch them. I think we saw three or four, and we just kind of started randomly, and they were all funny and just yep. ridiculous. And so, you know, again, there's another example of uh, of entertainment. Yes, it is that wholly entertaining. Exactly, you don't want to move. You just want to sit there, and you just – and if you have some friends over, you get to kind of talk about how goofy it is and how fun it is and all this stuff. The meatloaf uh, episode in particular was hilarious. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, – the... There was some incredibly horrible <laughs> – I was still trying to make sense of most of the story, but, yeah, it was – It was really horrible. Uh, but but obviously they knew that going in, and oh, they weren't so trying to do like yeah. a like a straight-edged – you know, Twilight Zone with it. They were trying to do a camp version, and it's and it was good. And I'm, yeah, yeah, and I and I'm glad you found that, and I'm glad we got to see Silent but Deadly. Because, right, right. Uh, you can't get enough camp in your life. You can You cannot get enough camp, and be, you know, so that we don't go too far on this one. Um, Monsters is available right now. The complete series. It's a. I can count them for you. There's three three different um, collections for every single season. I think every single season has like three DVDs in it, um, and it's just loaded with all these stars. Hey, Tony Shalhoub was in one. Oh my gosh, hey. um, you know. So yeah, this thing goes on and on and on. Um, check it out, Monsters. You can go on Amazon right now. Pick that up. It's released by E1. Our friends at E1. They were kind enough to send us a copy. Uh, you're going to have to pay for yours, um, but that's okay. It's well worth it. Call a couple friends. And while you're on Amazon, you, you might even be able to get a deal, you know, kind of cut in and order that uh, Silent But Deadly. Oh, yeah, they might be selling Silent But Deadly on there by now. I do believe the DVD has, has dropped, as the kids say. All right, well, we could just go on and on about this ourselves, or we can actually talk to the co-writer, the co-producer. He was and, in it. Yeah, he was. He was even in it in a small role. Yeah. Mr. Jason Lockhart of Silent But Deadly fame, uh, who we did have a chance to talk to. And I've got a little recording of it right here. Yeah, you know what? I believe he even talks a little bit karate kid. Oh, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's do this. It, it didn't take much, and we, we got a karate kid ball rolling there. Cobra Kai never die. <laughs> We are talking to producer, writer, director, actor, Jason Lockhart. Hey, Jason, how are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you because uh, uh, just a little while back, we spoke to the lovely Jackie Holland after watching your movie Silent But Deadly. I, I just got to tell you, we got such a kick out of it. We love, and I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but we love like really good, self-aware B-movies where it's just like a fun celebration of that kind of schlock and camp, and I think you guys nailed it. 
Well, thank you. We were definitely uh, having a fun time on set, and we, we hoped people would be entertained by the film. Oh, hugely entertaining. That, and it looked like it was a good time on set. You had some, some major names, uh, and everybody kind of just sort of fell into their roles. That uh, I mean, I don't know exactly how you had it scripted to begin with, but everybody just kind of seemed to show up and do their thing, and it all fit together just right. Well, thank you very much. We we definitely had a good, extensive time in the casting process, and um, one of the things that, that Jackie and I were really adamant about was bringing a lot of color to the film, and we thought if the characters were really colorful, beginning with their voice uh, <laughs> and the, through the results of casting, it would it would hopefully come out very colorful. It did. It did. I think I think you got it, and it just made it so much fun for the audience. You know, instead of uh, instead of kind of like sitting there through what's either ends up being an overly serious dramatic movie or an over the top action blockbuster, it's just it's great to sit down and just be entertained by a movie. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, we we didn't we definitely weren't trying to uh, have any strong morals at the end of the film or. Uh, or keep you on the edge of your toes. We just wanted you to eat popcorn and smile. <laughs> hey, uh, Jason, this is uh, Mark E. again. Um, one of the things that Grim and I have been talking about is one of the great parts about watching a, uh, a B movie is that when you're there with friends, you actually get to, like, talk through it, you know, and kind of enjoy it all. It's, 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 it's almost like you're watching, like, a sporting event or whatever, right? And what I like most about your particular film is that it's a who's who of who is that, you know? You're, you know, it's like, I know that face. I know that actress. I know that actor. And so through a lot of this film, we're here just trying to figure out who these guys are and just having a great time. Was that part of the thought process when you guys were writing this film was that, hey, we really want to get these guys thinking you know, it wasn't at the at the initial process, but I'm so glad you brought that up because I love doing that too with my friends. And then we're immediately Googling while we're watching a movie or looking on our phones on IMDb and saying, who is that? I recognize that face. And we thought it, with this kind of film, there's a lot of these faces you, you might not have seen in a while, even though they're working. And then when you Google them, you find out, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so and, and so-and-so. And it's so cool that they're all together in, in one film. Yeah, and I got in trouble, yep. by the way, for going to Google too early yep. for, for the rest of the group. Well, we were, um, we were trying to figure out who the lead was, and we all know that face. We grew up with this face, and it's driving us crazy, and we're trying to go through like this process, and yep, it's the girl from Gilligan's Island. And as soon as Grim here looked it up, I mean, we all just wanted to choke him. Just like, wow, we were – because we should have figured that out on our own. You know, it was a whole – it, it was a it was a fun addition to the whole movie watching process was to kind of make it into like a game. Well, I don't apologize at all. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I've always been a Marianne kind of guy, and I'm glad that I figured that out. Yeah, yeah. Before right, I look those, stupid, those eyes will never change. Oh, well, you're right. Well, and, and you know, it's um, yes, she is. You know, a, she is a beautiful woman. Um, we're actually scheduled to talk to. Another beautiful woman here soon was Lee Merriweather. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about working with these Hollywood, not just legends, but these, these Hollywood goddesses? I mean, obviously it was awesome. Um, <laughs> I come from a pretty strong theater background, and so do the two of those ladies. 
And so we had a lot of the same lingo on set, and we had a lot of the same process, and we really respected one another's craft. And being so much younger than them, I, I wasn't sure going into it exactly how, you know, how I'd be able to, to convey notes or direction to, to people I'd been working for, for 40 years so successfully. Um, but it, it really came through, through the education process that, that I have and feel confident in, and uh, we were able to play together. And um, with Dawn, she'd come up to me before every scene and say, okay, now what's going on in this scene? And her sweet little voice, and she'd get really close to me, and, and just, <laughs> she'd just belt me with her, her big blue eyes. And uh, I'd, I'd walk her through it, and sometimes we'd run lines, and uh, she'd get it right away. She'd be so nervous that she'd miss every line, and she never missed one line in six weeks of filming. Not once did she ever stumble. She, but she was so nervous, and she'd make me think that she wasn't going to have a clue what's going on or, or anything, but she'd nail it right out of the park first take every time, and then we'd get to play the rest of the takes. Oh, and she was, played you like a violin. <laughs> she, she really did. She melted me day after day. Uh, absolutely adored her, and and Lee as well. Lee, Lee Merriweather is one of my favorite women on this planet. She's so gorgeous inside and out, and uh, I mean she just radiates beauty when she walks up into your presence. And she's so sweet and so concerned with making sure that that the director and producers are getting what they want. So it, it's no wonder that she's been so successful and, and working so hard for so many years. Was there was there anybody in the cast um, who who just didn't get it though? I mean, it sounds like they like these two total professionals and they understood what was going on. But were any of the older actors kind of like holdouts? No, you know they they really everybody really brought something so unique um, to the ensemble that there really wasn't there really wasn't anybody that didn't get what we were all going for, and they all kind of they all kind of did it differently. Some people did it. Um, differently than I had anticipated. Like, I, re- I really pictured uh, David Proval's character, the, uh, the swarmy older Italian gentleman, uh, to be a completely different voice. And the way he came in, and the first take, first day, I, I kind of stopped and thought, this is not at all how I envisioned it. It's so different, but it's so good. Let me see where this goes. And it just really developed into something much more real uh, than I ever anticipated the character to be. And it still had the comedic elements that I was looking for, but he's just such a damn good actor that, <laughs> that he brought it all from within. And it was more believable to me than, than I'd actually seen that character being. Yeah, it seemed he seemed very natural in the role. And I, you know, you just 30 seconds of him on screen and you know his character pretty well. But exactly. were you like, like kind of picturing a you know, a stereotypical Italian pizza chef voice or something <laughs> like that? Like, uh, like a Luigi? <laughs> yeah, sort of kind of like that. Um, sort of based it on a, a voice from a Neil Simon play called Lost in Yonkers, kind of the Uncle Louie. Mm. Even though Uncle Louie's about half the age of uh, Giovanni, that was kind of the voice and the energy, uh, similar to what Richard Dreyfuss did in the Yonkers film. Uh, so, you know, much quicker, much quicker paced. I guess you'd say. And uh, he just kind of really had a, a central weight to that character and, and let, it, let it ride naturally, and I really appreciated what he did. Well, and, and for those uh, uh, listeners out there, he is probably most recently known in the second season of The, of the Sopranos as the main antagonist, right? He, oh, he, played, yeah. he played Richie April, and then before that, I believe he was in, uh, is it Mean Streets? 
Is that, is that what he was in? He, uh-huh. Yeah, that was one of his first big things, uh, Scorsese. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, he has been around. He was in Shawshank Redemption. I mean, this, this is a major, you know, uh, uh, player here. And, and yeah, he just gives in this real solid uh, performance. And, uh, again, he's another one of those guys. Like, I know him from somewhere. I know him yeah. from somewhere. And, yeah, he comes in and he just nails this role. He yeah, also and I, has and a, I, still doing live theater here. He also has a, a theater background and is still working on stage here in L.A. Oh, see, see now if uh, he w- he was actually I think the one that I was kind of worried about uh, because you know you've got like uh, Rip Taylor, but you figure been around for years, an icon, but obviously he knows how to just show up and sort of have fun. So I was worried yeah. uh, if someone had to stick up their ass and, you know, there's some, some bad blood behind the scenes, it, it would probably be David Preval. So I'm glad there wasn't. <laughs> wow. Or if you're just burying that, that's fine, too. No, not at all. He was great. In fact, I had lunch with him almost every day. I kind of, it was, <laughs> at lunch, it was kind of like sitting in a high school cafeteria with little clicks. And uh, I sat pretty much every day with David Preval and Jerry Douglas and Martin Cope, and it was kind of like the guy's table. And uh-huh. sometimes they talk to me and have a lot of questions, but for the most part, they would share stories from the, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s about who they worked with and, and you know, who they might have dated. And I, I loved every minute of it, just sitting there with those guys. Oh, good. That sounds like lunch at the Friars Club or something. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we were, um, we were uh, talking with um, Jackie Holland, and, and she, she had brought up, or I don't know if it was her, but. It like came up. Um, yeah, she she had a she had a good story about uh, picking up uh, Rip Taylor. Yeah, driving down herself, the co-star picking up Rip Taylor in her car uh, and scaring him half to death with her driving. Uh, and, yeah, and that that's the kind of story you can get out of these smaller productions that I think are so entertaining. So give us some more of that. What what else what else went on with these screen legends at a, at a tiny independent shoot? Um. Let's see. I mean, I guess I, I guess I got a story or two about Marty Cove. Um, he's the uh, you know the the famous villain from the Karate Kid trilogy. Cobra Kai. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the uh, master sensei, John Kreese. And uh, <laughs> we're actually still of all the cast. I'm pretty close with all of them, but I talk to him the most on the most regular basis, and we'll talk about you know dating and and films and he's, he's a big western buff and uh, uh we're very much in close contact in fact i just got to hang out with him and the entire cast of karate kid at a 30-year anniversary thing that wow. he played. but uh, when was this yeah a fringe benefit right here <laughs> that's awesome yeah it was a, it was pretty cool i got to meet uh mr macchio and that that was a a lifelong um idol so it was, it was, it was cool and marty set it all up for me um oh. I think it was in January. It was mid-January. So it was here at Hollywood Highland. Did uh, uh, Did Marty also tell you to call him Mr. Machio? No, no. I just, uh, for some reason, I just called call him out, <laughs> Mr. Machio. Uh, he still looked well, like look cool guy. Really cool guy. A lot of a lot of that same positive, like high energy that, that you see in his films. Uh, but when Marty came in to to audition for us. You know, that Karate Kid's one of my favorite films of all time. I've, I've seen it, you know, well, at least once a year for probably the last 20-some years. And when I was in the fraternity, we made all the, the freshman pledges watch it and learn about <laughs> strength and no mercy and, and all that crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I, I can even well, attest I, that uh, I've been CC'd in enough emails uh, between you and Mark E to know that your email signature is sent from the Cobra Kai dojo. <laughs> yeah. One of my right. favorite email signatures ever. <laughs> it is. Bless true. you for that. Well, that is true. I, I walked out of that movie in the 80s just karate kicking left and right. Everyone that <laughs> had all the toys. In fact, my mom actually sent me for my birthday last year a John Kreese action figure. And so I showed it to Marty and he wanted to buy it off me. <laughs> no. <I'm> like, <laughs> So they didn't even give him one? I'm sorry. I, uh, I do want to hear the uh, rest of your story. It's just I'm just getting pulled on all these tangents because it's just really interesting. For You know, you are, you are talking about Cobra Kai, which is so cool. You are talking about Marty Cove, which is so cool. You're talking about the Karate Kid. And now, and now you're talking about an action figure. So <laughs> I'm getting a little distracted, but I do want to hear the end of your story. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so what was I going to say? Oh, so back during the, uh, the auditions, you know, these, we had a lot of a lot of cool stars coming through through the halls there, and uh, I could hear Marty's voice coming down the hallway. And I just, of all the people that we had met, I just completely lost my shit. Like my stomach just <laughs> went. I was so excited. I was like, "That's the voice. That's the No Mercy voice walking down the hallway." And I was like, "You know, you know." I was like, "Lockhart, get your shit together. He's about to enter the room, and I'm, I'm going to be the director of this movie." Little does he know that I know nothing about anything. I'm just going to fake it till I make it, but uh, here he comes. And so I, you know, I kind of swallowed, swallowed my breath, and he walked in, and I just, you know, acted as professionally as I could, and he, he was just cool as hell. He sat down, and the first thing he did was compliment the material. So, you know, that, that was just the light of my life, like that moment. And then uh, he's very direct. He, he looks right in your eyeballs, and uh, he speaks kind of low and soft and a lot. And... Uh, I just took it, I took it all in and answered every question that he had. And, uh, the first thing that he wanted to do as soon as we locked him in was, it's like, you know, I, I really think this part needs to be bigger. He wanted to be more involved. And so I talked to the producers and, uh, I mean, when Marty Cove wants to be in your movie, you, you know, and he wants a bigger role, you give it to him. He, he freaking <laughs> deserves it. Or he'll kick so, it Quite possibly. And uh, so he uh, he got his way, too. I, I talked to the producers, and and everybody said it was okay. And Jackie and I wrote some extra stuff in for him, some really cool cool stuff. That shot of him at the end, you know, with the uh, the wheelchair come running in with the gun and all that. And the, yeah. well, well, that was yeah, that, that was all last-minute throw into the movie, like, a couple of things like that. We, we tried to bring him back even more, and... Uh, you know, I'd love to make a whole movie just about Hodge and, and work with him for for a whole six weeks just just featuring him. But uh, well, you know, it was little things like that 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 were really fun along the way. Uh, he does well. I don't want to give the ending away, but I think there's there's probably some some room there for a Silent but Deadly two. Yeah, I, know. I think uh, sure. you know you're. You're all, between you and the the other producers. You're still kind of the master of your own uh, destiny here. Yeah. I say t- pick up the ring. If you don't want to do you know Karate Kid Part Nine, <laughs> do Silent the Deadly Two. Just use Marty Cove somewhere. Um, and and you, uh, right. since since we've you know we we are kind of talking about this, and I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about it. I share your love for the Karate Kid movie. I I believe that it is a perfect movie. Uh, the the story the the acting you know all of it it is really quite a perfectly made produced movie um, I'm a huge fan of it um, what did you think of the remake I know this has nothing to do with, with with what we're talking about but I would like to get you on the record <laughs> what did you think about the Will Smith version 
I, I actually thought it was a good film. It just was completely different than what I wanted it to be. It didn't have the same kind of uh, power, but it also could be because I was a little kid. You know, when I saw the, the first one for me, what makes it so beautiful is the acting, the cinematography, and the music. And it just created such iconic characters. And the, and the new one, I just kind of thought, that was a good film. I enjoyed it. But there weren't any characters that, you know, that will live forever, yeah. um, you know, in the fantasy world in my mind. Like, you know, uh, Johnny Lawrence, is, you know, he exists to me out there in, yeah. in the magic world. And I don't remember any of the character names from the new one. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I I think it was it was missing a key element. It had no karate. <laughs> it's all kung fu, you know. Like they're in China. So anyway, I just thought it was you know it was hard for me to to really be accepting of it. Um, well, no, nothing in that series has come close to the original. And I think when I was a kid, and the second one came out, two was pretty. Good. I thought that they were you know like they could sit together. On a shelf, they were equally good. Yeah. And then, as I got older and kept rewatching them, two can't hold a candle to one. I think it's okay. I think one is just so timeless. And then two, they already had the characters there that you cared about, yeah. and they can go run around and play and have overblown circumstances. But nothing compared to one. A I, kid I, being I, bullied, learning some skills, getting a free car. Well, I could go on. Well, but I think. Yeah. With, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll just say that, I mean, the first one, you know, it had some Oscar nominations. It was, it was on a different level. Yeah. Well, and I, I think what it, what that particular film does for all of us, and, you know, we're all in, well, I'm in my very late 30s. Um, I, I don't know where uh, you fall, Jason, but, um, you know, it was like when that movie came out, every boy that was my age, we all, you know, we're really into ninjas then and, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. And we all wanted to meet that old Japanese guy who could teach us, right, and, and could help us beat up this bully. Like it really captured something really, really deep, but also really grounded with, you know, with the world that we all kind of grew up in. And, yeah, I started talking to all the custodians of my school. <laughs> yeah, you better watch out. <laughs> if I could only have a little janitor friend, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just, you know, that particular movie, as seen in your email sig, is that movie changed our lives. So I'm totally with you. What a what a honor uh, to be working with uh, Marty Cove. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start calling him Marty. Why not? Yeah. Um, and it was it was great to see him in this film. Yeah. And now now that we've uh, we've spent uh, eight to twelve minutes talking about the Karate Kid. Let's get back to your stuff, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> sure. What, what else would you like to know? Well, uh, what, what are you up to next? What are you working on as we speak? What can we uh, expect down the pipeline from you? Uh, I actually, I, I'm taking a little detour from comedy, and I wrote my first, like, really gritty drama. Mm-hmm. And um, as much fun as I've had doing, you know, I've done two comedies now, and then um, my business partner and I have just finished working on a film with National Lampoon, which will be out later this year. Uh, oh. I really, I, and I've had a great time at the... At, it, like the film festival circuit, but I'd like to go to the top of the film festival circuit. I'd like to make something uh, that the A-list level of the industry is excited about and something that I'm more excited about. And um, I feel like unless you're working with the top stars in Hollywood, 
comedy kind of has a, a ceiling on it, especially in the, the low-budget world, uh, and even dealing with foreign dollars. So I wanted to I wanted to make something that I could try to get some A-list talent attached to, still make it relatively low-budget, and throw heap loads of passion into it, because I, I honestly believe that passion drives further than dollars. So I've got this um, this really gritty drama that I uh, found a lot of inspiration uh, for and did a lot of research on this true story that happened about two years ago. And I built uh, an outline around this true news event. And we're in the process now of getting it funded and, and made. We've got a little team assembled uh, to work on it, and everybody's come on board um, the passion train. It's you know it's going to be very low dollars for for everyone, but we've got a huge producer attached who's won an Emmy and an Image Award. Uh, he's he's done a lot on BET, and uh, a fantastic cinematographer, and then my producing partner Brian. And we're we're moving forward with it uh, every day. I'm, I'm really really excited about it because I just care so much about the story. Um, that I'm gonna I'm gonna give it everything I got, and, and hopefully it, it's a Sundance success. You know. Uh, can you elaborate on who the producer is? Are you uh, free to say? Yeah, no, we have a signed contract. His name is P. Frank Williams, and mm-hmm. he's he's just an amazing he's an amazing guy. We've been wanting to to hook up with him for quite some time through our cinematographer friend and. Uh, we, you know, we never were able to actually find a, a good time to meet. And then I gave this this script to to Ryan, who's the the DP, and he, it was right up his alley. And he he told me, "Thank you for this script. This is a gift, man. This is I want to make this." And uh, he's awesome. he's so talented that I can't wait to have him to have him shoot it. And he said, "Let me give this to P. Frank." And uh, we gave it to P. Frank, and we got a meeting the very next day. He, oh, he was, nice. he was love ready, to that. ready to jump on board with a little bit of negotiation. Um, he came on, and we're, we're really excited to have him. He's got a lot of a lot of great ties, and uh, I think he's going to help me with some authentic, like some of the authenticity of the the script because it's predominantly an African American cast, which is something I haven't worked with in the past. Um, I'm really excited and passionate about the material, so I'm, I'm glad that he's going to be on board and, and uh, be there to help me. I think oh, making my. a good film is, is really about good collaboration and uh, knowing that your your talent and, and your limits only go so far and that if you can pull a whole bunch of people together and you let everybody do what they do and let everybody shine in their particular you know, area of expertise, that that's when a, a really good film gets made. Oh, well, my, my magic internet box is telling me uh, uh, Mr. Williams has worked uh, Arrested Development. Well, that's it. That's enough endorsement for me. <laughs> yeah, we're big fans of that show. He's been around uh, quite some time. He's got, yeah, you know, he's got a very impressive career. And every time I've I've spoken with him, I'm just like, man, what a cool dude. You know, smart guy, cool dude. Oh, uh, can can you can you give us any other details on the story, or is that under wraps? You know, we haven't really talked about it. It being under wraps or not. Um, I'm, I'm okay sharing sharing a little bit. Um, I'm very passionate about this story. Uh, it's a story. Uh, it's a story about a man who lived in Miami, and in 2012, uh, he was presumably on bath salts and attacked another man and ate at his face. Uh, are you familiar with that story? Uh, yeah, I oh, yeah. do remember that, and I always wanted more details from it. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah. I, I spent an extensive amount of time researching that man and his life, and. Um, 
you know, I strongly empathized with him and, uh, and I wanted to build a story around him that makes him a, a very likable, empathetic character. And, um, it's a huge mystery as to why, why he did it. And I, as a storyteller, uh, was able to find an angle that I'd like to tell as to why I believe, uh, it happened or at least, you know, at least bring up discussion and an argument as to why it may have happened. And um, that's kind of the third act of the film. And the first two thirds are, you know, his, his life prior and what, uh, what leads to that, that horrific event. That sounds, that sounds like an ambitious and I'm already kind of interested in kind of a story. Um, I think the, uh, just last year that Fruitvale station, movie came out that did some something kind of similar not, not that these Absolutely. are going to be the same movie by any stretch but did it really well and made uh that really inspired me really i loved i was just knocked over by that that film and, and what ryan coogler and forrest whitaker and michael b jordan what they all what they were all able to accomplish with that i just major kudos to them well i gotta say you are you are now stepping pretty far away from silent but deadly without yes one. very much I've learned a lot. You, know, you in this in this industry, each project you learn a lot, and I I think that uh, I've learned a lot more about myself through the process and, and the direction that I want to go. Well, and as and as someone wise once said, you you, you damn well better. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Before we let you go, uh, we do a little thing on the show when we are uh, talking to two guests who have worked together. Uh, and we are going to be talking to Lee Merriweather very soon this afternoon, and we want to ask you if you can give us one question to ask her. Oh, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Let's ask her what was her favorite day on set of Silent But Death. Uh, that's going to be a sweet answer. Oh, I feel she's going to have a well, great Well, yeah, she better answer it right. <laughs> yeah. we, will, we will edit it that right out, <laughs> screen legend or not, if she's not. Yeah. Well, her last day, she had a, she had a tough time saying goodbye to everyone, and we shot in a real live retirement center. And on her last day, right before she wrapped, she sat down in in her uh, her dressing room, and she just let anybody that lived there and anybody that wanted to come in come in. And she brought like a couple hundred photographs, and she just signed personally signed, um, oh, wow. you know, to, to everyone, and took as many pictures as anybody wanted. And she just it's like oh. like she didn't want to leave. It was it was so beautiful. Oh, that is the sweetest story. <laughs> that is, that's just awesome, and we're so looking forward to talking with her. And, and you know, thank you so much for taking some time today to kind of hash some of this out with us. Uh, we uh, again, guys, we were huge, huge fans of this of this film. Uh, had a great time watching it. Yep, silent but deadly. Uh, look for it on video on demand. Uh, I believe it's got a limited theater release right now, or it may have just ended. Yeah, it's ended sure. now. It's uh, look, look to the DVD. All right, look to the DVD, look to the video on demand, keep your eyes open on Netflix. It may or may not land there in time, uh, but I assume everything eventually will land on Netflix. Yeah. So, Yeah, I believe it will probably be all. Oh, oh, perfect. I can't wait to watch it again there. So, yeah, Silent But Deadly, check it out. It's great, great hearing from you. I'm so glad you like the film. It just means the world to us. Thank you. And we hope you can come back and join us again, okay? Oh, yeah, especially yeah, when uh, when these uh, new projects start coming out. Yeah, they yeah. sound better and better as you go. All right, thanks again, Jason. Have a good one. Thank you, too, guys. Take care. Apple Jack, 
it was a world of bright colors, uh, hackneyed yeah. villains, exactly. bat shark repellent. <laughs> you remember the scene where he's like running through with the, with the, with like the lit fuse bomb. Oh yeah, like a big round. <laughs> You know the the globe bombs from the old days. And he's like, trying to throw it off the dock. And then it's a like a group of nuns yeah. over here and some kids playing hopscotch over there. Yeah, yeah. shit like that. It was so funny. It was awesome. That's what that show was 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 all about. Yeah, because they wanted to make it silly and they wanted to you know have have some innuendo, mm-hmm. but to have it so lighthearted that they'd get away with it back right. then. Oh, and and they did, and a good. Uh, you know, Lee Mer- Lee Merriweather was the Catwoman in that movie. Yes, the 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 world's first yeah. film, film Catwoman. Catwoman. Yes, That's there had her. already been uh, there, uh, uh, Julie Newmar on the show. On but the she first couldn't season, do the movie. Yes, there was a scheduling conflict. Yeah, so they got Lee Merriweather, the big guns. Uh, oh, <laughs> gorgeous Lee Merriweather. Uh, uh, and and, uh, and she was she was only in the movie. She didn't do uh, the show later. That went to Eartha Kitt. Yet another Catwoman. There have been so many over the years. Uh, but Lee Mer- Lee Merriweather was in Silent but Deadly. That's right. And she played the role of yeah. kind of the vixen, right? Yeah, of, yeah. Of, of like the retirement the, home, exactly. Yeah, right. The, the sex-starved, over-the-hill nymph. The nymph, uh, right? The the overdramatic, you know, former. Uh, uh, Jack told us about it a yeah. little bit, and, yeah. we, and we talked about her trials and tribulations in the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, the adult cooties, I guess you could say, and kind of <laughs> what they came across. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, you know, and I think one of the amazing benefits of us doing this show is that every once in a while, every once in a while, we get graced with royalty. Oh yeah. We got to talk to uh, her lady Catwoman ourselves, Mm -hmm. Miss Lee Merriweather. Miss America. Oh, that was Miss America, the screen legend. Um, We had such a great time talking to her. We got carried away. I think we we talked to her for about an hour. Yeah, and we we actually promised her like 10 minutes, and then we (laughs) We wouldn't let her go. And she's she's an incredible sweetheart that she just kept kind of talking with us. But um, we're not going to bring you the whole interview right now. Yeah. Right. I think we're it. just going to have to make that its own, its own episode. I that think, was such a good time talking yeah, to her about, um, about so many things aside from from uh, Batman and Silent but Deadly. Uh, but we did talk to her a bit about both of those things, and uh, I think we can share some of that because I think she she ties it up well. She this would she would want it this who, way. Who who has done camp? Who has done B movie? But she's an absolute professional, a consummate legend. Uh, all right, that's enough dicking around. Let's get Lee Merriweather out here. Please. Let's just let's just get this going. Meanwhile, you know, B yeah. movies, movies that are self-aware of the fact that they're only aiming for a certain level and they just want you to have a good time with them. Have a good and time, we, exactly. There's been a lot said over the years about how uh, the camp element from the Batman show uh, was out of place. But I don't really think so. I enjoyed it as a kid. Absolutely. I liked oh, yeah. that. I, they, they did. And, and I've had people saying that, that um, uh, they love, well, they'll come to the, these memorabilia shows and they'll stand and tell you about when they first saw it and then now they are 
uh, older and their parents and they're they're getting the uh, the DVD of the movie and they've shown them to the, their kids and they are enjoying it doubly so because they they get the jokes that were for the adults but the kids don't get that but they think it's funny anyway you know they don't get <laughs> yeah. the, I mean the rubber the rubber sounding uh, shark. And you can hear that it's a, a rubber shark. You know? <laughs> that still makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> just, Absolutely. It's terrible. It's such a smart thing to do, you know, the, <laughs> to leave a sound there, really. Oh, dear. That yeah, was fun. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, I do, I do have to respect uh, what you said about uh, Adam West having the hardest job as Batman because it's true. Oh, I he could have made he, the wrong inflection or tone and in any of his scenes, and he was in pretty yeah. much all the scenes in the show, and it would have been uh, overboard. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Now, we just recently caught one, which I think a newer movie uh, with you in it that I think uh, fits that mold perfectly uh, called Silent But Deadly. <laughs> Silent but deadly. You 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 do know the original title, Hotel Arthritis. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked to Jackie love, Holland and I, she mentioned that, and that seems so much I, better. It was. I loved it too. I just thought it was <laughs> such such fun. But Silent but deadly is does give you ooh kind of well. What in the world is this about? But um, you know, I had a subtitle for well, I had a subtitle for um, uh, <laughs> hotel arthritis. I had I said scream meets Viagra Falls. <laughs> there was my subtitle. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> oh, they, I don't know who eventually did end up naming it, but oh, well, that would have been perfect. Yeah. It looked. The fun that you guys had making it very much comes through, and I think that that is so much of what is great about about you know B movies. You know the yeah. the the whole mm-hmm. idea of watching a movie that you know isn't going to be good coming back from you know like the Ed Wood days where he was kind of kind of seriously trying to make them, but then uh, Roger Corman and then stuff built out of that school where they said you know we're gonna we're gonna make an entertaining movie and we're gonna do it really fast. Exactly, and we're going to get were, good at that, right? And uh, the, the Jason, you know, he is a young filmmaker that he's going to go places. He really is just such a a, a dear, dear, sweet man and a wonderful director. He's uh, he's going to. Um, I, I expect big things from him. I really do. Some students get a hold of him and just say, yeah. 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 Jason uh, Lockhart. Uh, uh-huh. who actually we just That's talked different. to right before we talked <laughs> to you mm-hmm. oh, and uh isn't, and isn't got us bigger? very excited. Yeah, he he is very sweet and he had so many sweet things to say about you although we yeah. still <laughs> kind of put him on the spot we sat him down <laughs> oh, and we Lord. said a little something we do when we talk to guests who have worked together we 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 ask the first guest what we should ask the second guest <laughs> and he came up with with a with a cute little question for you that I that uh-huh. I do want to ask, and we're going to see if your oh, okay. answer matches up with his. 
But he wanted us to ask you, what was your favorite day on set for uh, Silent But Deadly? Oh, dear. (laughs) The pressure's on. (laughs) It was the most uncomfortable situation. I... I was uh, on a, I see, I don't even know if it's still in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, 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 it was in the ladies' bathroom. And uh, I was, I have been screaming and screaming because there were things happening to me that I, I didn't think I should have wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it did stay in the movie. <laughs> Remember the scene you're talking about. <laughs> Well, it was it, uh, it's amazing that they they were able to film that as well as they did <laughs> because it was it was a real bathroom area, you know, and they didn't build it. They, it was it was there, and it was cramped, and you know how bathroom stalls are and all that, and and <laughs> dear Lord, oh. I was standing on the toilet. And I'm, oh well, never mind. That we had a lot of fun on the film. We really did. Everybody worked very hard on it, and uh, uh, and my daughter uh, Leslie is Leslie Rather uh, is a uh, stunt woman, and she was. Uh, uh, out there and, and was able to help out um, with a couple of uh, stunts that uh, were were done and uh, she just uh, she she loved being there loved working with these <laughs> older folks you know <laughs> and we um, we all had a good time we really did it was such fun Jason has a a, a really good serious but Fun working set. It, uh, it, you find the combination of a, a young man who is new and vital and excited and happy and wants to do a good job, and that's Jason in a nutshell. He just, he had all of that going for him. And plus, Rich, he, he's a, a, a dear soul. He just right there, you know, and he was um, uh, caring. And uh, was his baby, of course, but, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's what's needed, I guess. Well, I think, I, I think the way you put that would be the greatest compliment to him because uh, he, he relayed to us a little story about uh, your last day on set. And he said, and the way he told us the story, you could tell he does take it as the most sincere compliment to his work, that you seem like you didn't even want to leave, that you were willing to put up with, you know, people just showing up and asking you to take pictures with them and sign anything. And he said, you just, you were so sweet and you seem like you didn't want to leave his set. And you could tell that really moved him. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, when I finish something and finish a film, it's, it, it really is. It's hard to let go, and you long to see it, and then you see it, and I go, oh, gee, that brings back memories. Oh, I want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that- the way it's been with me. I've been lucky. I have been lucky all the way along. 
They're here. Turn on the magnet. Yep, and now that it's safe, let's have some Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. I've got the formula, sir. Quick, drag it over here. The formula makes them a delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Sure, good, Tony. Good? They're great. What were they doing with that magnet, Tony? Yes, they were attracted to the formula. Frosted Flakes, original. Oh, that was so awesome. Oh my God! Uh, and there's so much more where that came from. Yeah, we will um, get into. I've listened to it already a couple of times. Yeah, we, you know, during our meetings and and all that, trying to figure out how to put these things, how to produce an actual show here, and what are we going to do with all these elements? Um, we get to talk to great people all the time, but this one was this was a different beast. Yeah, I she mean, was awesome. She was just awesome. I mean, we we were moved after we talked to her. So you guys just got a little tiny taste of Lee Merriweather, you know, the the first Catwoman. Let's just say the first Catwoman because it's filmed, man. I mean, you 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 can follow the line of the of the female Catwomen's. <laughs> it's Lee Merriweather. Then it goes to Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, then it goes to Halle Berry. Well. And then it goes to, who was the last one? Uh, I forget no, her, name. her name. Yeah, yeah. you know, do you guys do you do you get our point? Well, you know, like it's 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 amazing. It's it's Lee Merriweather. It's basically fifty percent of women who play Catwomen are also Oscar winners. Oh yeah. <laughs> or and one quarter of them are Miss Americas. Oh, bless Lee Merriweather. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was a that was a great time. Uh, so, yeah, be on the lookout. Um, check us out on MattyPRadio.com. We're going to be bringing you the full interview with Lee Merriweather. We're just going to have to make a whole show just around it because we have such yeah. a good time. Yeah, we'll end up just putting it all up on there so, uh, so, so you can listen as well. Um, and in the meantime, go out, catch some B-movies. Grab some friends, you know, get some, some bad 70s horror schlock fest, yeah. you know, going through. Netflix is a great resource. They got plenty of campy movies right. on there. Sit down, just watch it with some friends. You'll have a good time. If That's, that's all we wanted to remind you of today. Well, and if, if you don't know what a B-movie is, okay, let's just say that you, you were, you're clueless. You just tuned in. Right. Let's just say. If it has Elvira... It's a B movie. If Christopher Lee, it's a B movie. If well, if Vincent, you know, it, there's a very good chance. There's definitely some telling signs <laughs> to when you can see a B movie. Yeah, uh, and have some fun. You know, it's it goes way beyond just popcorn. Yep. when you're watching that. Yep, you know? life is not full of Oscar winners. Life is full of entertainment. That's right. All right. Well, that seems like as good a place as any. To go ahead and set the mantle down and uh, and let people off the hook so they can go go enjoy their B movies. Get out there, watch some of this. This yep. is good stuff. These are good people making it. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, and and just just incidentally, when we were growing up, the best B movies always came on TV right after the cartoons on Saturday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's so it was meant to be. So get out there, kids. All right. Thanks, everybody. Join us next time. We will talk more stupid stuff, and you will sit there and love it. You will be entertained. <laughs> now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.